episode number 191 with Steve and Mike. Welcome to the Heads Up Poker Podcast. This is Steve Barton. This is Mike Snyderman. And uh, is this is this Sleepy Mike? What uh, what, are, what are we going on here? Yes, Steve. We have a good timing here. You uh, we want we were going to record this weekend, but it so happens that I'm stumbling out at the casino at the same time you're waking up. Apparently, right? Yeah, yeah. It. Uh, I think in 191 episodes, this may be the earliest we've ever recorded. Uh, no, we, we had a couple back in the day, Steve, with me, like traumatized leaving a casino at like <laughs> around this time, I think. <laughs> Did we? Okay. Oh, that's right. I remember. I remember. I mean, I'm still, uh, I'm still traumatized frequently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tonight I made, um, well, tonight was a, a typical theatrics here. I show up, um, I think I'm done getting high, Steve. First of all, I have, I have some weight loss bets. So that is a real, cause when I'm high, I just want to eat. You just wanted munchies. But this time I got, yeah, I just, uh, I took too big a dose and I started vomiting. Oh, wow. And then I went out to my car and, which it's kind of the good vomit. You just have to get the stuff out of your stomach. It's not like uh, I'm sitting there. Oh, did you eat a candy bar or something or what what happened? Yeah. Yeah. I had enough. Uh, Edibles. And um, yeah, people said, well, if if anything, you just got to go to smoke because these edibles are just too strong these days. But uh, anyways, I got sick, went to my car, slept till 1 a.m., and came back in and um, was was into a, a the two five is an eight hundred dollar cap, but I was into the game for twenty nine hundred. Oh wow! So lost a uh, I made one really bad call, but but that only cost me like four hundred and twenty bucks. I mean, still terrible. I got real unlucky a couple times. Um, but anyways, I made a comeback and left only down uh, like eighty bucks or something. So okay, okay. that's a win. Yeah. It really is. Um, how many, how many hours did you put in last month? Uh, I think 216. Like I said, 200 is, that's amazing. 200 is, uh, that's just cash. That doesn't include the 40 or 50 hours. I I probably played online tournaments too. Okay. So you exceeded your 250, uh, so yeah, that's the new reality for me, Steve. I just got to work fucking long ass hours, you know, nothing else I can really do. Um, just got my taxes done. Good for you. And this, uh, I, I don't want to get in it. I, I honestly what's thought the damage was, or what's the uh, check? Are, are we I, thought I, was, I, I told you there was a big, um, discrepancy of what I think I'm I said, I'm like, well, I'm either getting 10,000 back or I'm going to owe five K, but it turns out I owe nine K. So, um, you, you owe how much? $9,000. Okay. All well, right. No, but I paid, I paid like 14000 in taxes last year from other stuff. I, I, I don't want to get into it, Steve. <laughs> okay. I, I owe a lot of money. Yeah, so anyways. So, um, which I, I won't even be able to pay right away. I'm going to have to call the state of California and try to work out a little payment plan and uh, pay them as soon as possible, though. Not, not drag it out. I don't like having bills. Yeah. Um, yeah, Steve, I don't know. That's what can, what can I do? Struggling to uh, to get along here. Um, tell me about your uh, your investing class, right? Isn't that isn't that the what we were talking about last time we talked to you? Or yeah, it um, it was really really cool. It it made me realize that all the stocks that I bought up to this point, I've just gotten lucky, and uh, it wasn't any through like 
any skill that I've made money there. It was just, I pushed all in with pocket eights. The guy called with aces and I hit an eight and one. And <laughs> I pushed all in with king queen and the guy called with queens and I hit a king and one. Like that's been my whole stock career, basically. Well, I mean, you've bought you've bought stocks in a robust economy, and stocks are a decent investment, right? No. Yeah, it's kind of hard to lose money in a, in a bull market like this, and it. Uh, I realize that now, and um, anyways, the the options trading is very very different. It's not the kind of trading where you you buy now and you know sell it in three years. Like this all takes place within twenty five minutes to an hour. It's like so that's, that's what this course is about, just spinning it, spinning it up the little quick profits each day? Yes. It's, it, dude, it is exactly like poker. You're recognizing patterns and you fire. And, you know, you hold on to your hand for about 45 minutes and then you're out. And it's amazing. It really is. I wouldn't even know how to teach it. It's just like, but all I can tell you is like it is – Exactly like playing poker. It's it's so fucking similar. Bankroll management, everything. It. Uh, well, let's I've not get too excited. What's that? Let's not get too excited yet, Steve. Let's see. <laughs> you got very excited over uh, six four of spades, and the next thing you know, you're you're. Next thing you know, yeah, I'm having to apologize to everyone for that. It. Um, you know, I had to rewrite my. Uh, I put my goals up on my mirror, yeah. like uh, Phil Helm you taught me, and one of them has to do with being a professional poker player. And I kind of had a revelation the other day and I realized that I should not be writing. I'm a professional poker player. I should be writing. I'm a pro professional gambler. And that opens up so many different aspects of this because, you know, now you can do sports. Now you can do stocks. Now you can do poker. Now you can do fill in the blank. You know, it's like what Mark Aliotto and uh, James Gettinger um, have done with daily fantasy sports. They look at themselves as a professional better first. Or right. professional well, they're, not, they're, they're really not gambling. Those guys do a lot of studying. Well, it is still gambling, right. but it's, well, I, it's I in a very controlled it. manner where, you know, you're the guy that's pushing with Ace King and the other guys are calling the Queen right. Jack. Yeah, gambler is probably what James has on his tax return unless he's got some other hustle going, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, don't leave the fucking fire department, Steve, <laughs> until you have your, 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 is it 20 years and you get like, you live, get like, it's like the military, right? You get 20 years and you get half pay or something. Well, the program I'm under now, if I stay another, I'll be 39 here in another month. Um, if I stay another 11 years until I'm 50, then I'll get 90% of my base pay. If I were to leave, Let's say I just left, uh, how old am I? Uh, let's say I left when I'm 40. So I would have 20 years in at that point. I would get 66% of my base pay now, but I wouldn't get it until I'm 50. I'd have to wait 10 years. Gotcha. So by the time I turn 50, it's probably not going to be a whole hell of a lot. Um, I, I wouldn't even think of leaving the fire department unless I could make 10K a month doing other things. Like that would, that would yeah. make me feel. I mean, you could get the Amazon thing cranking again too, if you wanted. I mean, anything you do, you've succeeded at Steve. Um, well, thank you. But I, I don't know. When, when you say poker opens up other opportunities, well, I guess you're not talking about just buying lotto tickets or shooting craps, obviously you're talking, no, about, no, no, no. All you're this talking about using the time you have now free to study other gambling adventures. Exactly. Exactly. 
So I, I don't have to teach you the rules of moderation, but obviously if you're going to start all this day trading stuff, I'm sure you're going to do it the same way you have with poker where you're going to have like a small disciplined amount and stick to that, right? I haven't even started trading real money yet. I'm still doing paper. No, but paper, you're not paper selling is, Paper is the stock guy's uh, word for basically play money. I'm doing play money right now. On a, if this were a poker site, I'd be playing with play money. Okay, that's I'm interesting. I never, never thought of that. That's a good way to start. Oh, my God, yeah. Dude, I would have lost like five grand already. And, and not because I don't know what to trade, but because I don't understand the software and I'm clicking the wrong goddamn buttons and I'm accidentally selling when I'm supposed to be, you know, hanging in there for another 15 minutes. Like, I, oh, dude, there's nothing more frustrating than knowing that you have pocket aces and you don't know how to fucking raise, you know, like that's, that's what I'm going through right now with the software. Uh, once um, I get the software down, like, uh, and then I'm making, you know, winning trades, you know, and not selling. Oh God, it was so frustrating yesterday. I had three trades. Uh, one of them would have been massively profitable, but I accidentally sold it when it had only gone up a third of the way that it was going to go because I, I, I clicked the X button and I thought that just closed a little window, but what it's got this auto thing built in where it just sold the stock and I didn't make any money. And then the other two were just losing, but they're minimal losses, you know? So it's just like when I look over my, my poker income app uh, on my phone, it's no different than a tournament poker player. I mean, it um, like, let's see. Okay. So when I go to, you know, reports in all sessions, plus 150 plus 1,250, Minus 71, minus 22, plus 260, plus 570, minus 55, minus 80, minus 82, minus 91, minus $5, plus 738. It's the same thing with trading these quick day trades is you have more losses than you have wins, but the wins are so much bigger, they make up for it. Okay. Um, like most things you say, Steve, this sounds absolutely asinine. But uh, how much – you're not going to, like, sell a house or anything to – like, where, where's your role coming for this, though? You, do you, you go back to my original question. You haven't started yet, but do you have a certain amount of money you're going to start with? I'm going to start with, I think, 5K. That will allow me to buy what's in this world is called uh, one contract, which would be $100. So I'm not going to risk more than 2% of my bankroll on any one trade. Uh, doing the math on that. Um, you know, you running 15 trades in a row that are losing, you'll still have almost 75% of your bankroll. So um, it, uh, I think that's at least what he teaches. And I think that's a winning strategy. And a lot of the professional guys, they only bet half a percent of their bankroll, half of 1%. So if your bankroll was, was, uh, 5k, you're only betting 25 bucks. Um, how much did it cost for this seminar? It was 5k. Wow. Yeah. Jesus, Stephen. This is so you're serious about this. I, I'm all in. Yeah. I I didn't record a podcast last week, ironically, because I was playing poker, not doing trades, but I was so busy with the class. Um yeah. Well, um, I don't know, Steve, other than to say good luck, but I just think uh even when I'm running good, I'm like, God, postman was a good job. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, your job's, yeah, Steve, with all the vacation and paid time you get. Here's all I'll say about the poker thing. Um, like, let's just so the invest, let's just, can we assume at the very least that the investing and other things are going bad? You could make 10K a month playing poker. But um, 
could you play poker $200 a month for month after month after month? See, that's the thing. Like I get a taste of that when I go out for the WSOP and, um, you have fun doing it. You're not like, oh my God, how do people do this? I, I do have fun, but by towards the end, it's kind of like, man, this is kind of a grind, <laughs> you know? But if I could do options for maybe three hours every morning, four times a week, put in 12 hours um, uh, a week, and then do cards after that, I don't know. I don't know. What, what, what is is, I mean, I guess the great thing about the options trader, like I, I was just, I was going to go in about how the market's getting ready to go to shit, but the options trader doesn't really give a damn. No, it doesn't matter. That's the beauty of it is you can make money when the market's going down or when it's going up. You just basically bet the other side. This thing is just, all this shit is just so depressing. It is gambling. Basically, it's no different than like if you get, uh, if you get, d- get dealt pocket jacks, what are you going to do? It's folded to you. You're, what are you just going to throw your hand away? No, that's an edge. That's a setup. Bet it. It's the same thing in, in, in day trading. Right. It's exactly like poker. Well, it really is. Now, I think maybe we brought, brought this up. Do you, I don't know what percentage, but I know a majority of the economy is actually all decisions are made at Wall Street are made by computers. Supercomputers are buying and selling. So they've got all their prices set for the beginning of the day. Yeah, basically, how aren't you competing against like mega billionaires who are doing yes. the same thing you're doing, but with a lot more technology, information, that sort of thing? I mean, you're kind. I guess is is this you're trying to crush people at two three here? For, if we're going to steal with the put, you're not you're not going to be a heads up champ of in beating beating the the top guys in this doing it this way, can you? Well, it's the way he put it to us was like this. He said, "Okay, there's eleven thousand hedge funds." Uh, which have 400,000 employees working for them. And they're controlling $3.7 trillion. That's the trading market there, right? Okay. Now, out of all those 400,000 people and that $3.7 trillion, um, what do you think their annual return is? If you were to add them all up and then divide it by 400,000 and, and say, what, what, what do you think they, their return is per year? Um. Profit, I, I'm going to say uh, 12%. I don't know, four times the growth rate of the economy for these rich bastards. Okay. 1%. Okay. So what this means is they're not very good at the game collectively, right? Um, okay. They're, they're billionaires and they're only making 1% a year. Doesn't that seem like off? Well, it does, I mean, uh, uh, you know, Steve. I agree with you. I think they should be getting 12 or 15%. Well, Steve, right? the, lie, the numbers, uh, I mean, I hate to be like cynical towards everything, but there's probably a bunch of hedge funds which are, yeah, maybe that's the average. But the, when the economy is growing at 6 7%, when we have some of these years where the, where the market is booming, believe me, the billionaires are doing better than everybody else. Okay, now let me ask you this. Okay. What's the difference between this group of billionaires that's putting all this money into this thing and only averaging 1% and the rich businessman that plays in the main event of the WSOP? What's the difference there? There is none. They're the same guy. He gets his, his rocks off by playing in the WSOP because he likes poker, but he only plays 20 hours a year because he doesn't have any time. And the other guy gets his rocks off by making his money in the stock market. He only makes 1% a year, but he likes to gamble. 
that's your competition. And basically what you're trying to do is all that money, all those 400,000 guys that are clicking away at their computers and trying to beat the market, but only averaging 1%, you're trying to predict what that group is going to collectively do. Right. They do it. Um, yeah. If they're moving the lines. You making these little hundred and three hundred dollar purchases ain't doing shit. <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, to listen, what they're doing before they do it. That's the game. That's the game. Um, yeah, it's possible. What's one percent of of three? What was it? Three hundred and eighty-seven trillion, or what was the number? Uh, three point seven. Three point seven trillion. trillion? Uh, three point seven trillion. So is three hundred and seventy million. Uh, I think it'd be 300. Or is that 3.7 billion? I think it's 3.7 billion. Actually, it might be a little bit more than that. It might be 3.7 billion, probably. There's like um, four people listening to this right now that are just screaming the answer because we're too stupid to. Okay. So, no, actually, it's 40 billion. Okay. Or right. whatever well, it is. Yeah, so that's the profit basically declared by those, those firms. So a lot of that money they're holding is just, I just want to point this out. That includes, that's profit. That includes all the business operating costs, whatever that is. This is what they declare, et cetera, et cetera. A certain number of those assets are just held by people like my parents who do not buy and trade anything. Yeah. It's, just held, it's just held in a mutual fund or whatever. Um, Steve, I'm, Steve, I'm just giving you perspective on things here. This guy, you, you went to a, 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 essentially a Christian evangelicist, evangelicist, <laughs> evangelist, uh, meeting here with people who love, who love this stuff, but, um, no, no. I mean, Steve, if you dedicate yourself to this, I'm sure. Oh, I know I can succeed at this. If, okay. I'm, if I'm already like recognizing good buying opportunities and I just can't figure out how to fucking sell when it's time to sell. Cause I don't know where the button is and the windows accidentally closed. And all, like, that's the part I got to master is I basically just got poker tracker four or hold a manager too. And I, I got to figure out how to use the damn thing is what it is. So this guy who paid the seminar is, do you, or what else is he selling? Can I be cynical? Is, is, are you going to be part of his website, which just shows a flashing red light, buy, sell, buy, sell. And, <laughs> and he gets a kickback every time you make a trade or no? No, he's basically become my mentor. And any questions, any buys, any sells that I have, I send them over to him and his son. They tell me, Yes, this was good. No, that was bad. This is the button you click, you know, like that. It's, you know, I never would be successful in, you know, any um, avenue, I don't think. And I don't think anyone really would if you really want to get good at, you know, real estate. I have a real estate mentor, um, you know, with poker. I'm trying to think now if I have a poker mentor. I guess getting on here uh, once, a, uh, once a week and talking uh, cards is probably well, part see, of it. But. Oh, no, you're saying you don't really have a mentor. You're just talking about poker. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe Mikey, <laughs> but, uh, um, okay, Steve, uh, I'm excited, dude, just because where, where I know what this? I've been able to do in my life with poker. And there are so many similarities in this trading. Like it's just ridiculous. I think any poker player could do this. I'm sure they could. Well, now that you just, once they explain that it's basically a game, that yeah. the smart people study on advantages, you got you got probably got pretty excited about it. Oh yeah, I just I instantly got a sense. Where did this take place? This seminar? Uh, just online. He's a local guy. He lives in Santa Barbara. Well, I guess he's local to me. If you're listening in England, he's not very local, but he does it all online. You sure he's not living out of his car? So, uh -huh. um, okay. So this was very detailed. This wasn't just hey, get rich like me. It was this is this is how you're going to do it. It was sounds like a very 
you're learning how to do the surgery, basically. This is medical yes. School. You're learning one little niche fine minutia that has been proven time and time again. And if you do it exactly like this, you'll make a profit. That's so what you're learning. There's not like you're going to have to like research companies and this and that. No, 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 no. None of that matters. Even I, I quit watching the news years ago, but that was one of his big things to stop watching the goddamn news. <laughs> you know, right. you're not going to get any information off of what, what the hell uh, Bank of America is doing right now. By then it's too late or it doesn't matter. Like who cares? Um, yeah, it's just crazy. This is how, uh, yeah, yeah, just, uh, this is what like 80% of our economy is not actually building stuff. All the money quote that has is just guys, guys are just moving money around and, and this guy wins, this guy loses and like keep spinning it up, I guess. So this is zero sum game. When you win, someone else has to lose. So are you going to have a measure of all I can say with the whole thing? I mean, if this starts working, obviously, and you just, you just really have your, if you have your ROI or hourly down, I guess that's what the way you're going to try to calculate it. Like you said, to use the poker analogy, you're going to try to. Yeah. There's a tracking software, just like there is um, hold a manager to or poker tracker for, or, tournament indicator or whatever, whatever program you use, there's one for this. So I instantly bought that. It's 30 bucks a month and there you go. does it so for you. Just, Problem let's solved. Say we're, we're splitting it evenly. Obviously, eventually you could get good enough at this to maybe become genuinely super rich maybe, but just for the time being, for, let's say for the next three years, the goal would be if 120 K is what you're looking for, 60 K a year playing poker and 60 K a year with the investments. Does that sound like a plan or? That that sounds doable. I would think probably more like 50, 70 or maybe 40, uh, 80 because there's no there's no ceiling on this on the um on this. Your only limitation is your bankroll. And I guess it was is with poker too, but I feel like there's a lot more money to be made. Well, using the poker analogy here, there is something called variance. Yes. Very good people can lose for pretty long stretches of time. True. Oh, I'm just trying to get you prepared for that. Um, I guess the only, yeah, I mean, try to become good at this before you quit your job, right? No, like, I, <laughs> you know, I really must be wanting to get the hell out of the fire department because people, uh, my buddy Danny, he's like, you and Joe just seem like you want to get the hell out of there. And I'm like, I, I don't know that I, I really enjoy my job and I have a lot of fun, but I know every shift that I show up to work, I'm probably taking like three hours off my total lifetime just from lack of sleep and breathing, burning tires. And you know, it, uh, I've had a good, I've had a good run. I've been yeah. there almost 20 years and okay. it's been a freaking blast. Well, you uh, did say the words, I'm just going to quote you. I really enjoy my job. What percentage of the American adult population do you think would say those words? Probably 25. Well, you think it's that high? I was going to say, Say ten or something. You just don't rub elbows like I have with the people at the bottom end of the economics. <laughs> I've worked in restaurants and hospitals and everything, so I I don't know if it's that high, but okay. Um, you're happy doing whatever, so I'm sure it'll it'll succeed. If not, you'll find a way to to hustle. But you've got <laughs> you got a great job. I mean, just the pay and the fucking like the the fact that when you go to freaking China for three or four weeks, you are getting paid for during that time. It's pretty nice. That's true. That's true. But now, of course, um, 
you know, it's, you could be taking vacations anytime. You can like all you need, you could have a little 30 K month in, in the trading right away. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can do this anywhere too, obviously. That's the thing well, is, is you can, you can go to Vegas for the whole summer, wake up every morning and do your trading and then go and grind. And then go and grind. Yeah. You can literally do this from anywhere in the world. You just have to be, uh, on, uh, 9 30 AM to 4 PM New York time. <laughs> it's basically right. when you do it. So if you're on the other side of the world, Thailand, you may have to be waking your ass up at the uh, 1 a.m. or whatever it works out to be. I don't know. Yeah, but, uh, and, and you're so uh, like mentally strong and disciplined. Even if this whole plan would start off with a fucking you having a losing 20k the first month in poker investing, um, you would still just see this as a challenge you would overcome, kind of thing. It wouldn't be. Well, my goal with this is just to learn, continue trading, continue learning keep playing cards and um, you know, just see where it takes me. Once I, once I'm, once I'm consistently making um, you know, 10 K a month from other avenues, then I would feel comfortable leaving my job. That's about, I think I make maybe 8 K a month right now at my job. I, I don't know. Um, but um, that would make me feel comfortable. Now that's coming in from real estate and that's coming in from stocks and poker and there's other little avenues that I got out there that don't, that they don't say, they pay say much, but collectively they bring in something, you know, um, little, uh, you know, little stocks that I'll buy that are very certain to go up within a month or so and then pull out, you know. Yeah. So what do you, what is your, uh, what will be the, how much cash do you think you should have on hand to start this? If you were to, how much cash would you need on hand to not be in kind of a panic state if things start off poor, if you were, did not have a job. Mm, let's see. Uh, if I were to do, doing like, I mean, for all I know, Steve, that's like how much you have stuffed under your mattress right now. So I don't, I'd say probably a hundred, hundred K that would make me feel pretty decent. That sounds better. If I, if I got a hundred uh, bankroll and I'm consistently making 10 K a month, I would feel comfortable with that. We know you're not going to be like me, who's probably got some accountant who doesn't know what he's doing and blah, blah, blah. And like, I was stunned with the things this guy was telling me. I thought I was going to be writing this off and that off. But um, yeah, you'll be smart enough where you'll, you know, you'll make 150K a year and be paying $600 a year in taxes and getting free health insurance. So thumbs up on that, Steve. We'll see. <laughs> I'm in favor of that. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I'm sure it'll succeed. It's just... Uh, I mean, have you ever been there and seen a ma uh, fireman quit? Um, I mean, yeah. it's just—it's a job. Most people just don't quit, right? I mean, but uh, most don't. You've got, you've got more going for you than a lot of guys. You've got a good business sense. Yeah, I mean, you being a businessman just makes or being, you know, I mean, you're very motivated by money here. Like for you to find something where you can really do that 24 hours a day and not just being like a little bit at, at the time um, makes sense. Of course, you can also probably study the finances while you're at the, at the fire department too. You got some, you got a little downtime there, Stevie, don't you? Uh, every shift we usually have about two hours of downtime. Yeah. Okay, I thought it was. Uh, it, well, it depends on what station you're at too. I mean, when you're running 13 calls a day, then you got a certain amount of downtime. When you're running two calls a day, you have a certain amount of downtime. So, yes, I've been at all of them, and the station I'm at now, we got about two hours of downtime. <laughs> this is interesting. I remember when I was at the post office, some guy left 
to start, he quit the post office, you know, your $60,000 a year with good benefits job to start his own little um, restaurant. Oh. And that went down and he tried to get back his job back and uh, he failed. Yeah. So I, I, I always remember the negative things. There's guys who've left the post office to start a business and I'm sure done very well. But um, I don't know. I had to counsel Steve, but the more I think about it, it's, you know, it's all about happiness and your chance of failure is probably pretty slim. And, you know, poker is not rocket science, as we've established, as much yeah. as I, uh, most people with any discipline could make a, a living wage there. 10K a month is pretty good. You got to be pretty good to be, make 10K a month, Steve. I don't know that I could do that just with poker. I, I, this whole I'm a professional gambler thing kind of made a switch in my mind. And, and I, I think I might have been the guy that, that was, um, you know, he played Little League his whole life, and then he went up to Pony, and then, he, and then he went up to the minors, and and he's just been trying to get into the majors for a long time and just never quite got – you know what I mean? It's okay yeah. to be able to be uh, in, the, uh, in the top uh, uh, few percent, but, but to get into that top tenth of a percent is just – maybe there's some innate uh, ability right. – that, you, know, you don't need to be a whiz or top ten percent to ex- make 10K. That's not what I was saying. You need to. You just need to. You need to be a B plus player. I mean, I mean, you just got to be good. You got to play your edges. Don't play when you're uh, well, you gotta, tired. It's, it's 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 you got. You might have to put a lot of hours in, and you got to find a decent game. I mean, I don't know what yeah. kind of games. I don't know what the casinos nearby. There might be the only game which with which has enough money on the table for you to make that might be. Um, very pro heavy you know what i mean so uh it's hard to say where i mean what your normal hour normally you play one two or two three right uh oh cash if i play cash about uh six times a year those are usually the limits i'm playing yeah or sometimes i'll play two five play i I used to play more and like oh i used to play a lot more yeah i play two three you used to log your hours, right? Would you make like 20, 20 bucks an hour? Yeah, 19 to 21, so 20 bucks an hour, yeah. Okay, well, that's a lot less than a fireman, right? Yes. We're yes, going to assume, well, when you say play poker, are you talking about grind large volume of online tournaments or are you talking about cash or what are you talking about? Uh, online tournaments or live tournaments? If I'm living in Vegas, I'm probably going to be playing. Oh, if you live in Vegas. No, Steve, are you joking, right? You're planning on making a steady income playing live, playing tournament poker? Oh, I, I would not call it steady at all, but I think okay. that there is a way to calculate the hourly after several months. <laughs> um, oh, okay. I'm liking this plan a little less. <laughs> I was picturing you as someone who's really going to work in this cash game and just like try to get that, you know. Um, you know, I just ball don't. Hunt, ball hunt the cash. cash, though. You're right. It is a lot more steady but I just don't enjoy it as much. Yeah. I mean, there's like 0% chance of you ever being poor in life. Let's put it that way. Just your, your, your makeup here. So if the poker is going bad and the investing, you'll, you'll, you'll go back to the Amazon thing for a while and find a few other ways to hustle money until this appears. And, you know, um, I'm not worried about it. I'll figure something out. It's, yeah. uh, like I said, absolute worst case scenario. I go and live in Vegas in a condo for free. Uh, I got about a grand coming in a month from another rental property and I can make up the difference with cards, you know, worst case scenario, system reset, like hit the ejection button. We're going down, (laughs) you know? Right. So really like when you look at that, that's really not that bad. Um, you know, and if that's Um, the worst that could ever happen, 
then it kind of takes away that fear. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, you know, as long as you know, like measure of expertise, well, you're talking about like what level you have to be at. You have to be the top 0.1%. Um, cash, no, but in Vegas, maybe if you're trying to make hundred K a year, that's, that's a real challenge. Of course, we've established you're not trying to make hundred K a year. Um, quickly with the sports betting um, or the daily fantasy sports, uh, you know, Mark's a real smart guy who's worked real hard at this. Yeah. I mean, I just, I'm sure you know that, but th this isn't going to be like a weekend seminar and all of a sudden the money starts rolling in. You know, he's been doing this for a long time. Yes. And he probably had a year or two of sort of apprenticeship in that where he was like a, a break even or slightly profitable while he studied and did everything. You know what I mean? I don't know. You talk to Mark about it, but if, yeah, I just. I don't know. I like gambling. Here, Steve. I'm, being, I'm being the counsel here. Sometimes I think you, uh, you know, you listen to Phil Helmuth and positive. Oh, all I need to do is change the scribblings on my mirror. And I'll <laughs> so like Mark and like James is like, uh, I think with, he's like for, for, for all that daily fantasy sports, he's like as good as it gets. Right. Um, yeah, I think Mark so. said he's the best ever. So, it, like, he was explaining to me, like, he was getting ready for some for the betting on golf uh, for the weekend. Wow! Him and his partner, him and his partner Pete, and it's it's a full work week to get ready what their bets are. These guys make their own software. Yeah, they make their own software. It analyzes all this stuff that other people aren't looking at. Da da da. They bust their ass all week, and then they have their picks. You know what I mean? Yep. That's kind of the level of their golf fantasy. I don't know if everyone, I mean, against, again, I'm probably over exaggerating it, but I don't think it's like just because people are making money doing these things. Um, there's a lot of the people trying to do the same things that are losing money is all I'm saying. Um, True. You got to be better than the field, but you would, uh, you know, you're, as we've said, the main things with poker pro are, uh, are just not even poker. It's just like game selection and tilt and, uh, bankroll management tilt control and right from the get-go you'll you'll have those on your side yeah he kept describing about how now when your bet is losing make sure you don't move your stop loss and i'm like uh yeah we get it let's move on that's a mental problem we don't deal with that let's go you know and uh, like right. all these things that i've like conquered in poker i mean bankroll management jesus that's a huge one um, you know, mental mindset, all of that, like Elliot Rowe, all that shit is just, yeah, I get it. That problem solved. Let's move on to the next one. Well, what so do you all these, all these roadblocks that I think a lot of beginner traders run into? I've already dealt with just through cards. That's why I think um, poker players would be so good at this. We're to make a living. Uh, I don't know how you can plan on really. I mean, again, it's only part of your plan, but live tournaments, that is what you enjoy the most. Yeah. That is the least profitable part of poker for sure. It's definitely the most variance. Uh, well, no, it's just, there's, there's just a cat. What are you talking about? You've talked about playing these like hundred dollar dailies with their, with their 25% rake. No, no. My, my vision is to be playing like 500, maybe one K tournaments five times a week. Something like that. Well, they don't have they don't have that enough, enough of those in Vegas. I don't think. Well, unless you're going to be staying in oh, Southern yeah. California. They got like uh, uh, Venetian, the Bellagio, the Win. Eh, maybe I'd have to. Well, go. when they have tournament series, they do. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Steve. A lot of poker pros in Vegas. Um, a lot of people know how to play this game now. 
But again, I'm sure if you had, uh, you would change gears pretty quickly if you all said there's there's too many damn good players here. This is not. uh, Yeah, then maybe I spend six hours a day trading and only, you know. Or you spend a lot of time studying poker. Because I think to beat, this is where I'm going. Like I was actually thinking about this not too long ago. Southern California, um, between all the casinos there, there's a pretty good tournament every weekend with like a high guarantee. Yeah. So you can hypothetically get enough, but you know, but there's only, yeah, let's just say there's like a hundred guys I'm going to probably see at every tournament, regardless of where in Southern California I go. Yeah. And like, I mean, I'm talking about a hundred guys who, who are trying to do this for a living or do this for a living or yeah. have sort of pro quality. Um, yeah. I mean, let's say if they're all doing 150,000, Dollars and buy-ins a year, or maybe two hundred thousand. You really got to be a top one percenter. We've got we have a couple of them we've talked to on our show here. Scott Stewart probably's there. Yeah, I think so. Um, but there's not a lot more of that. So Wallen. Yeah, I, circuit grinders. Yeah, but I mean, Steve, how many? Uh, I don't know. I, I really do. We really need to discuss this the tournament ROI. I just when you're talking about an hourly of like these tournaments in vegas um yeah i i think you're gonna be if i can look in the crystal ball within two years unless you uh unless you actually bank one of these things big you're gonna be like uh tournaments are i mean as much as i love tournaments steve and i've done well in a few of them i'm kind of over them a little bit are you but it's definitely not going to be an income like i'm not factoring it into is like my income per year and out i mean i'm not even gonna think about the word hourly when it comes to poker tournaments it's going to be okay. This is a tournament that's good value. I can afford, and it's 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 profitable. Quotations. It's a good investment. There's value, and let's hope I score a big one. And of course, I, I'm going to be doing that with some great frequency. But I definitely will never again look at uh, uh, online's a little bit different. I guess I, I've never had. It's hard to imagine me having a lo- losing year of online poker. I haven't had one in seven years. Yeah. Um. So if that, but you know, yeah, you might get into, you might get into that. You'll like the challenge either way. So you'll triumph, but uh, th- that is the, the playing anyway, just where I'm going to playing daily tournaments in Vegas is the worst part of your plan here. Think so? Okay. <laughs> Everything else is okay. <laughs> going to Vegas where you can live cheap makes a lot of sense. Um, and obviously the, learning all the financial stuff. But uh, yeah, you should. You'll be bum bum hunting at two three and, and two five is probably the way to go there for sure. You're probably right. A lot of pros have told me that they're like, yeah, tournaments are great, but really, you need to be a cash player because it's a lot more consistent income. You know. I mean, uh, do you think you could get? I mean, as much as you say you like poker and you like to study it, you study. You know. You've never been like you've been a TPE member, but I mean, have you ever had like a stretch where you watched a training video every day for like six weeks? Uh, I would say I watch a TPE video every night about four nights a week. Okay, well that's pretty good. I mean, I'm just talking. About, I'm just trying to give a view between how much you really study and love poker to like maybe what. How much more uh, you Elon is doing, like Doug um, is studying ten hours a week. <laughs> That's what you're getting. At. Yeah, I mean, we, we, well, you 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 get a glimpse of it with Doug and Carlos. They love yeah. the study part, and they I like the playing part. Um, I do too. But, I like playing more than studying, but but uh, I know yeah, the study's it, important. So, 
But again, uh, you know, like I said, Steve, you, you'll, you'll succeed at anything here. Just, um, just, uh, any, any time I hear about you taking one of these three week trips, <laughs> I'm like, how the hell do you get so much time off from the fire department? But if you're bored with it, you're bored with it. I wouldn't say it's that I'm bored. I just, uh, There's other stuff that's more exciting to you. Uh, yeah. At times there is. Yeah. 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 You'll have more time for podcasting, Steve. I will have more time for podcasts. You could actually come up with a couple questions ahead of time when you put someone on the interview rather than, hey. Hey, yes. So it's Tuesday, man. You like Tuesdays? <laughs> What's your middle name? <laughs> Asking the important questions. Yes, yes Dave, this will be interesting. At the very least, it'll be uh, make for great podcasting as we will be able to chronicle your, yeah, your, your journey. Um, we how chronicled long... the Amazon journey. That was interesting. This, uh, this yeah, and, and that was successful. It was just... Well. It was successful. It was just too much of a pain in the ass, right? It was pretty much. It really it was. was. Yeah, it got to the point to where um, I, I could see the long term. You know, having uh, a um, basically a processing warehouse where you know you got a bunch of people working for you that's just bringing pallets of stuff in, processing it, and it's going out the back end and getting shipped to Amazon. But it, uh, yeah, eventually I just got burnt out. It, um, it wasn't really it, Amazon kept taking more and more percentages every it seems like every three months and then your margins got smaller and smaller so you'd have to cut edges and and then you'd get more returns and then when you got more returns that cuts really into your profit and it was just it was this game that was getting exhausting right uh, uh, eventually i was like you know there's some other flashy light over here that's more interesting (laughs) actually that's when i got promoted um so that started to take a huge amount of my time I would love, maybe you could do like a little social media search. Here's my next, the thing you're doing, um, you're going to plan on doing with all the day trading. I would love to meet someone to like sit over their shoulder and watch them do this. Yeah. As much as if you were starting in poker, like as much as like there's all these studying and materials to do, just sitting next to over Carlos's shoulder while he played initially would be more useful than, so I'm, I'm just saying this guy is selling you a lot of ideas It'd be great. Somewhere in that area, there's someone who quit their job to do exactly this. Yeah. So beyond the concepts, I'd like to know, okay, how much you make last year and then the year be after and how much, what are your study habits and, you know, um, those kind of things. But uh, again, Steve, I'm giving counsel on something I know nothing about. I do that all the time. (laughs) The, uh, the, the world of finance, but if you say it's, it's doable, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it works out, Steve. This can you at least? What do you have to do to get your 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 sixty six percent at age fifty? How much longer do you have to work to get to that point? Oh, uh, eleven years. Forty another year and a half. Uh, oh, to get to sixty six percent, that would be another yeah another year, a little bit more than a year, year and a few months. Well, you got to do that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't have any plans on quitting. All I'm saying is if. I'm able to produce. You don't, Steve, then why you let me go on this 20-minute fucking diatribe? And look well, like maybe it is kind of a plan to uh, exit. Oh, okay. I, could, I, could be, I could be misspoke. In the future. In the future. But, yeah, in the future. Once I can produce 10K worth of income, some other avenue. Um, you know, I mean, honestly, man, it's a dangerous job. You're rolling the dice every day you go to work. And, you know, it, uh, it's fun and exciting, but it's... It's fucking dangerous, you know. And okay. I love it. It I've been doing it for Fair almost enough. decades, and more than that, it more than two decades if you count my volunteer time. 
And, uh, and if, uh, you know, if worst case scenario, Steve, you just go find yourself a sugar mama, right? That's always an option. Yeah. Put that PUA shit to work and find some, find some grandma with a, with a, with uh, 20 acres and uh, wherever. <laughs> in a vineyard. Yes. Uh, Steve, what'll, what'll be next for you? Um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be really interested to see if, uh, probably the funny thing is I counsel here. It'll be like, I won't talk to you for six weeks. And yeah, I made my first million. (laughs) You know, a lot of this too, I've found is just like information. So I've got this uh, Vanguard account where I have a Roth IRA and I've got stocks in there. And a buddy of mine told me, he's like, you know, if you basically treat that account as a savings account, now the, the downside is you can't pull money in and out of there for 48 hours or something like that. It takes that long to clear your bank or whatever. But if you just treat that as your savings account, you get 1.1%. I was like, what? He's all, yeah, what's the bank giving you? I'm all, I don't even know, but it doesn't even count. You know, you can have 15K in there and, you know, at the end of the month, you got 15,009 cents, <laughs> you know? He's like, yeah, just move it over into the other one. I'm like, holy shit, he's right. So I moved it over. Sure enough, 1.1%. Just little shit like that adds up, you know? Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of it. You, you got to find a couple interesting podcast guests for this, Steve. You can share. And probably there's, uh, I don't really know the kid. There's one kid who's, who plays in the big game at the casino I am at, who was supposedly once a financial whiz he's really young like 26 like i don't know his story i wouldn't be surprised if he made a couple million on wall street or something said fuck this i want to play poker yeah um but yeah i'm sure somewhere on on twitter or something maybe if we can make suggestions over a good guest that there's someone who's doing exactly what you want to do and uh yeah i don't know if you guys get too technical it might be a snooze fest but it might also <laughs> it might be interesting it might be it might be interesting yeah 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 Oh, I won a uh, I won a little tournament at my local uh, casino last week. Okay, very nice. Yeah, that was cool. What was you know, the buy-in? was a hundred dollar buy-in. I won twelve fifty. So cool. there's what? There's about forty people in it. Uh, Thirty six. Oh, yeah. See, good guess on my. Yeah, part. very good guess, sir. Yes, yes. But uh, it's so critical when you get down to the final tables that you just do not chop. You know, like. It's like Mark said, you got to take first, second, or third. And even in the big tournaments, they want to chop. I remember playing at one in the bike where uh, first place was like 20K. And we're at the final table. We're down to nine, and people were just screaming to chop. And I'm like, nah, I just, I just want to play. Well, <laughs> you know? also, you got money, Steve, so it doesn't. But if. Uh, yeah, but if you take a lot that of people, chop especially. Time, then I don't know how you could be like profitable. Um. You know? Well, you're reducing variance, and if hopefully, if you're like Carlos used to be, you know, the sit and go kind of whiz, and a lot of the profitability comes from negotiating good chops. Hmm. So this isn't this isn't like people. This is like some people in certain spots are chopping, but they're doing it with a very. They have an edge. They're doing it to reduce variance, and I mean, it's very mathematical. If you're playing a. Um, a sit and go and whatever first place is a thousand and uh, second place is 300. And there's a two of you together where you're, you're each six fifty and you're even with chips. Uh, if you can convince the guy to get 700, that you're getting an extra 50 bucks, then you're, you know, you'll take that every time. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of the same way. 
um, yeah, I, I, I would say the chops just allow you to realize your equity. Now, the chop, if you have a big uh, advantage in skill, then that's something else. The chops is not tier because you're going to get more than your, your expected value is going to be higher than your actual chip equity at the time probably. Yeah. But again, especially these smaller tournaments, they're so shallow. But even then, you still do have a skill edge, um, certainly. There's still going to be a lot of variance, but there's people who are just going to be way overfolding is the most common thing that happens in those tournaments where you can just, you know, the shorter tournaments where people just still want to, they want to, they want to only get their hands in with queens. Um, I, I feel like there's such an edge just to be had by being the one guy that doesn't want to chop because now you plant the seed in everyone's mind that you're taking first. And you can like watch the table start to compete for fourth and fifth and just trying to squeak into third. And you know what I mean? Meanwhile, you're just stealing the blinds. Um, yeah, possibly. But again, just pointing out, there's a lot of, um, a lot of the chopping stuff is, is, can be quite profitable though. If you're, you gotta be, you gotta be ruthless at it. I haven't been. When I won the, uh, the O11 tournament, the last one, whenever it was that last year, Mm-hmm. You know what we said? We got to the final table. Like, let's put the numbers in, and it was like ninety nine hundred is what my stack was worth. I had a big, I had a big chip lead. Mm-hmm. First place was five. I was taking variance out of it. I kind of needed the money. Um, I didn't make it, but I, sh- I was not good negotiating. I could have, like, a couple of people afterwards, like, man, I can't believe you didn't ask for more. <laughs> I was just like, okay, this. I think the the chop was getting me more than the second place money, if I remember correctly. How many people were there? We were at the final table. There's nine or ten of us left. And and the chop was getting you more than second place. I I, I can't remember. I I want to say first place in this tournament was only fifteen k, and I got ninety nine hundred. And you didn't have to play. Well, that's tough. But um, I I can't remember exactly, Steve. But I could have gotten more. There was people there who would have like said, okay, every, if I said everybody here has to give me another hundred, I'm sorry, I, I need um, rather than ninety nine hundred, I need ten eight. Mm-hmm. Like I think it would have taken like 20 seconds to negotiate that deal. Yeah. You could have got an extra grand. Or so not just yeah. stupid, but I'm also like, I'm so, I don't want to say nice. I don't know the word is socially passive, whatever. I don't want to like put those people in a situation where I'm saying I'm better than they are. You know, I don't know. It's weird. I'm just trying to, I yeah. want people to be happy. Yeah. And people are not, are, are less happy when they're negotiating a chop where they know they're having to give away a hundred dollars, but th- these people would not have cared. Yeah. I probably would have done that and seven of them would have immediately said yes. And two of them would have said no. And somebody else would have said, okay, I'll pay the hundred or these guys would have capitulated. You know what I mean? One of those yeah. kind of deals. But um, yeah, Steve. So it sounds like you're, you're not rushing off and quitting your job here. Whatever. No, 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 no. I got a ways to go before I can get there. I still got to figure out which button to click to make sure I sell. <laughs> right. I mean, but it's Pope- encouraging seeing that I'm seeing the patterns. You know what I mean? Poker Pro is, uh, is just the greatest job in the world if you get, uh, you know, when you're running well, if you got shit together, because it really is just because the, the level of freedom is amazing. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm trying to figure it out. I need, you know, I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm still financially under it, but I think how long away? I'm, I might be, if I can run good for like a few months and just recover the life role and look at the life. I'm not that far away from being where it's just, I'm, I mean, poker's never easy street. There's always variance. There's always stress. But if I have enough role, like I said, I'll ne- I'm never going to do, 
I'm never going to have so much of my net income, let's put it this way, in fucking like Bitcoin or anything. And th this isn't a set of a Bitcoin rant, but I'm just saying just, uh, and I'm never going to be spending so much on tournaments. It's going to be really looking at the hourly, the expectations of what, yeah, basically trying to make 10,000 a month. Yeah. And if I want to do that, that means just grinding long hours of cash. And then if I, well, if I want to put some money into Bitcoin here, and if I want to take some shots in tournaments, um, so poker can be like that. I'm making it sound like you're taking a great risk. If you're doing it smart and you'll be smarter than me, you can make it a pretty steady, semi-risk-free job. With, with live tournaments now, you'll have to, you know. Yeah. You'll have to be grinding some cash or just making some money elsewhere. Or making some nice binkage, you know, once every, once every six months you win one of those 100Ks, the Phoenician for 35K. See, I think you could put a reasonable hourly on these tournaments. Um, but like you said, the variance is just going to be so high. You know, I would, uh, just, treat, I would just treat it like, um, like I do the online tournaments. Just, you know, each tournament is 1% to 2% of my bankroll and that's it. Well, I don't know. You said like three or four, 500 to $1,000 tournaments a week. So we're right there. We're talking about $100,000 in buy-ins for the year. Yeah. Um, so what's, let's calculate your hourly, Steve. What do you, what, what do you, what do you give me your credits? What do you think your ROI is in these, these tournaments? Is a hundred percent too unreasonable? I think 50% is unreasonable, Steve. Wow. Uh, I could be wrong though. I just, yeah, I don't know. I'm sitting, I'm down 68,000 over the last 24 months in live tournaments. Okay. That's not encouraging. But uh, again, you know, I, I, I rebuy like a mad dog and I, I don't have your, I don't have your mental fortitude. And it's funny, I, my exact buy-in, I think, I think I looked at it recently and it was like I cashed in like 15 of 136 tournaments for 136K in buy-ins and 68K in losses. Or, um, so about a thousand dollar average buy-in. Uh, but it's really not that many tournaments. Like I said, you know, 138 is nothing. That's yeah. that's two weeks. That's less than two weeks for like an online grinder where you definitely can. Uh, I don't know. Well, over the course of a year, let, let's just say you, you could play 5,000 tournaments a year. Then you can know an hourly. Yeah. But let, let's even say 50% ROI. That's, that's, I mean, that's pretty good. But that's if you do 100,000 buy-in, that's 50K you're still not what you need to, uh, to Well, earn. that's just from poker. Right. That's not bad. Um, I don't know, Steve. I'm trying to uh, just – I'm trying – if you were to play $100,000 of live tournaments in Vegas for the next 10 years, a million dollars in buy-ins. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know what, you, what, what your expected return would be. I would say the over and under is about 150000 profit. 15%. 15% ROI is pretty decent, actually. Really? That can't be. That, how could you ever make a living at that? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not even the one to ask. I'm so down. I, I have to look at my, my tournament results here. I know for a while there, I had I used to brag about my filter this thing for life. I don't know how to do it. For a lot, a long time. I mean, you can actually probably calculate um, 
someone's overall profitability just by looking at their end and mob. It doesn't say buy-ins. Yeah. Like you could take mine and try to figure out what the average buy-in looks like. And then just assume that I've cashed say 12 or 13%. So multiply um, whatever amount of tournaments you see there, multiply it by eight and a half. That's how many tournaments I've had. And you can figure out my buy-in and then what I'm getting, you know, basically, well, you're right about having to win. Anytime you'll see people on the Hendon mob, you know what Hendon mob is, right? Yeah. I mean, you'll see people there, you'll know, like day two of a tur- LA tournament, I'll look them up and it's like, they've got a billion caches, but they never won a poker tournament in seven years. Like if you're not someone who's actually good enough to win poker tournaments, you're right. You're just not making money. doesn't mean the chopping at the end is not sometimes the most uh, reasonable thing. I, uh, Steve, I don't know. I, I guess I, I just don't know, but um, there's a lot of poker pros, especially when you start playing the, you only play like those thousand dollar tournaments. You only play like two of those a year. True. I mean, how many, how many of those have you played in your life? Really? Probably actually not even uh, like four or five, right? Four or five, something like that. So even in Vegas, uh, they, the competition didn't seem to be that much tougher though. Which surprised the shit out of me. I mean, it was a little bit tougher, but not like what you would think, you know? When it gets to, believe me, if any of these like 1Ks or monster stuff, if you got like, like started getting late in the tournament. Once you get down to two tables, then you find out who your competition is. It's, it's just all, it's, it's just all poker pros. It really is. Okay. uh, Mostly. And, and one, one, somebody who got, um, well, I, no, I mean, it's, anybody can win a poker tournament so there's always people but usually the field always gets stronger as you go along ask see what carlos would say about this or assassinato what they're they've probably got it but a hundred percent roi is really high i don't care what level you're playing like if you took whoever the best players in the world are and said you know you're going to play you can't play anything more than a thousand dollar tournament you know, they're playing these tournaments where they have such a big edge. Yeah. A lot of things have to go right. They're, they'll be running good if they got 100% ROI, in my opinion. Okay. Um, but maybe not. God only knows what Scott Stewart might be well over 100%. So there's probably – you got me being cynical about this. But, again, I haven't worked uh, nearly as hard as I should. And I have some major mental leaks that make it uh, hard for me to uh, – but uh, yeah, Steve, I don't know. I, I don't know if you could re, re, uh, roll up your sleeves and become the try to become a, the one tenth of one percent. I guess would be the, the best way I could put it for tournament play. Live cash, you could you could find a good tournament where you just a good place where you have to sit there and know that you fucking aren't supposed to roll up, raise king six because there's a bunch of people who do that. Yeah. <laughs> and you could talk, you could probably after like three or four months know your hourly right away. Yeah, I've played enough where actually in any card room I could sit in a game for a week and get an idea of the player pool and figure out the rake and everything and probably know my hourly pretty quick. Yeah, down to the I could look cash. I still I still don't know, but like when you talk about the hourly right now, I'm just going to say that I've probably had at one point my live tournament profits were over 100k, but after such a bad swing, I'm going to just say let's say 30k in profit. And over 400. So basically my ROI is like 10% or something. Okay. Um, but again, maybe I'm supposed, maybe at this point I'm, I'm maybe I've run over under expectation as, as much as I've won tournaments and I play bad. There's also uh, the, the multiple bullets can't help too much either. You know, 
like just firing and firing and firing like yeah. i think it yeah it depends it adds variance but it also um buying when you buy in uh your at the beginning of a tournament your your stack is worth a thousand and then even when you have eight big blinds if you buy in with eight big blinds but you have the starting stack that stack is actually still has the same value and I was actually, some people say it actually is a plus EV move to buy later because, um, or it's still plus EV, um, mainly because you can, you can double up so, so easily because people yeah. are just opening wide and they're, you're almost always going to be in an all in, in like a, a plus EV spot, I guess is what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. Maybe I this guess is- I could see that. And there is something to the beginning of the tournaments though, when the, when the most fish are there and no 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 yeah it's more your your edge is is greater there but your your five hundred dollar stack at the beginning is still if is still kind of worth the same when you buy in late because so many people are gone so you might only have one fifth the average stack but um but it's still worth five hundred bucks and you can get that stack into a sixty forty in your favor well well let's just look at in terms of the value of a tournament like you you be if you could probably now pros because of their edge deep stack let's say the the, the main event you get fifty thousand chips mm-hmm. um but if let's say you could either get fifty thousand chips uh forty just forty thousand chips to start the tournament or you could get fifty thousand at twenty big blinds okay because of the fifty thousand would be of more value you stack. Mm-hmm. You're Can you stacking. say that, but say it a different way? I was about your your stack is your stack is worth your fifty thousand stack is worth ten thousand dollars. Okay, regardless of what part of the tournament is, because if, even if it well, happens later, three hundred big blinds, or you have twenty. Okay, yeah, I got you. But so if you have eight thousand, it's it's less. Yeah, they're, they're, that stack is always the same value. I don't know. Someone else could probably poke some holes in this. Now, if it's um, yeah, because basically you're closer to cashing. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Steve, if 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 ten if a hundred people are in a tournament, and let's just say there's no pay jumps, it's like a satellite, and there's only ten left. Doesn't matter if you have one big blind or. So when you buy late in a tournament, eighty percent of the people are gone. Then eighty percent of the your eighty percent of that equity goes towards who's left. That makes sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, you, you shouldn't buy – probably any good pro would obviously say the main event has such – their ROI is is so high because the field is so weak. Yeah. So, again, they, the, even if you gave them 10,000 less in chips, they're, they're expecting a 50% plus ROI in that field. So they're really starting with 60,000, 70,000. Yeah, okay. If you, if you got to um, – but if they could get fifty an extra chips, like sixty thousand, but right in the shove fold one where you really don't have that much an edge, they would probably take less chips at the beginning. Okay. Uh, just because they're at their skill edge is thrown. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, buying in short is probably not great as as a habit, just because of variance. Like you're going to fire through somebody. You could fire through somebody buy-ins. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're you have you're properly bankrolled with a you know, hundred buy-ins, but obviously if you use you have one week where you fire two or three bullets in five tournaments, then all of a sudden you've gone through 20% of your bankroll. Yeah. But it's still plus EV to buy in late is what I'm saying. But okay. I, I, I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. This is why there's all these bots online. 
Yeah. Um, you can you can ask Carlos about how it works on Bovada. I don't know exactly how, but basically you'll see like right before registration closed, all these people register. Yeah, I have seen that. I and just saw that last night. Yeah. And you can just like they'll all fold to the money or whatever or chip dump. But basically they're 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 making a plus EV spot spot even beyond if you just buy in late and double once, then they probably figured it out that you buy in fifty people. And if a min cash is is two point two point one buy-ins or whatever, and if they all folded, how many would make it into the money? It might be profitable there. Or yeah. if they all simply shoved their first hand and 50% won, then the other 50% are knocked out, but these 50 who just doubled up can all min cash. Can all fold to the money and you've made a little profit. So obviously obviously the late buy is profitable. Otherwise you wouldn't have all these bots doing it and people are. Yeah, that's true. The The last uh, 1K I played in uh, uh, Vegas, there was several pros that came down to the table and they literally sat down with eight big blinds. <laughs> last level yeah, was the I mean, last yeah, one to re-enter. And I'm like, I guess this must be 1% of their bankroll. <laughs> that, that's the only way I would ever do that. Maybe even less than that. Maybe it would have to be less than 1% of my bankroll. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if... Um yeah, just pointing, just pointing out quickly though. Just because if you know your shove fold and all that stuff, then buying in with ten bigs, your starting the starting stack is always worth is actually is always has the same value. Yeah. Okay. I, I get that. Like I can see 10, that. Ten thousand starting chips with uh, with three hundred big blinds is worth the same as just theoretically, if if the field was of average, if everybody was of the same skill level then buying in with eight big blinds or 150 big blinds doesn't matter because your stack size has the same value. 10K in chips doesn't lose its value as the tournament goes on. It loses your chance of, you know. doesn't lose its cash money value that you bought in for. Right. Well, I don't know. I guess we could, we could, go, we could talk about this on certain levels in different ways. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't want to put purse to bubble with the. I, I just run bad in, in live tournaments, Steve. I'm sure you'd, uh, you'd probably do better than me. But um, yeah, you you would need like a you would need like a big a big score in there somewhere. If we use my example of a million dollars in buy-ins over ten years, you can't just keep like, oh well, like cash eighteen percent of the time and made a run here. It's somewhere in there if you if it's going to be. You need some first and seconds, yeah, of course. If someone, yeah, you're going to be need, needing to win a poker tournament every year, and somewhere in that span, you're going to need like a three hundred thousand dollars score. Exactly. If you want, I mean, at least if you want like a hundred percent, I think a hundred percent ROI, um, is really high. I, I'd be I'd be curious how many. Uh, I think that's what Jonathan Littles is. From what I could piece together from him being on here and listening to his podcast and some of his, um, uh, you know, videos and stuff. It, like one of the things that's standing out to me is he's like, someone asked him, you know, why don't you play a lot of the 500s in the one case? Like, why are you playing all these bigger ones? And then he's like, well, in a $500 tournament, I'm going to average 500 bucks in a thousand dollar tournament. I'm going to average a thousand bucks. So, you know, do I really want to go out there and play for, you know, eight or 12 hours and make 500 bucks, that may not be worth it to me. 
Okay. Well, this is, yeah. I mean, this is how this is how you do the the math. Right, that is also uh, Jonathan Little. So <laughs> maybe you're right. Maybe 100 percent ROI is a little ambitious for me. But um, I don't know. The way I look at it is, I guess this paradigm shift that I was talking about is that now it doesn't have to just be one form of gambling, which is poker. It can encompass all forms of gambling, whether that's trading or whether it's something else that I haven't even thought of yet. Um, but, you know, there are professional gamblers out there that do this stuff for a living, and we've had enough of them on the podcast to know that. Right. It's- yeah, no, I'm sure it can be done. Steve, I don't know why. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm going to blame it on the, the fatigue. Okay. Once again, <laughs> I'm just talking out of my ass about stuff I don't even understand about you. Well, do you have uh, assigning value to stack size and certain buy-ins? Yeah, I, I, I haven't got a clue. Do you, do you have uh, do you have maybe fifteen minutes uh, in the reserve tank? Sure, of course. Okay, all right. I got I got a hand that I've been wanting to pick your brain on for like two. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah. How'd you how'd you, how'd you pull me into that? <laughs> you like that segue? I actually did one good this time. Okay. <laughs> cash tournament what is this this is a tournament but uh first i'm going to tell you guys about elliot Rowe. you know the drill listen to the seven minute tilt buster the link is right in the show notes it doesn't cost you a dime you get to try it for free i swear to christ on a raft this works i will not play cards unless i listen to that man's voice first i listened to it just before that live tournament that i played and lo and behold i won it i listened to it last night and i went online with bovada Got a hand here from that. So remember, use Elliot Rowe and use the code HUPOKER. Get your discount. Don't pay the full price. And uh, here we go. All right, Mikey. We are on the button. Okay, we're on the button with Pocket Kings. We're four-handed. Uh, it's in the beginning stages of the tournament. So this is on Bovada. This is a 4K guaranteed six-handed six super stack. Uh, it was a $44 buy-in. Okay. Okay. Uh, small blind post 30, big blind post 60. And four-handed, we get a cutoff open to 155. Okay, so he opens like, uh, what was that, 2.5x, something like that. Uh, and we're on the button with kings. So if the cutoff opens to 155, We've got, uh, we don't see color on this podcast, but we have two black kings. What, uh, what are you yeah, what's, the, what's the stack sizes here? Okay, stack sizes. Um, cutoff has 123 big blinds. We have 60. So effective stacks for this, spoiler alert, the uh, blinds are going to fold. Uh, effective stacks are going to be 60. Um, so like the 60 is what are the blinds 30 and 60. So you have, you have like 3,800 chips to start this hand. I've got uh, 30, what was that? 3,600. Yeah. And he's got 72. Okay. What was the starting stack? Uh, I believe 5k. Okay. Uh, always three betting here, obviously, I think. Yeah, I think so. Unless there was a loon behind you who was like squeezing every hand and just on, just tilted or whatever. No, they're both pretty. Uh, 2914. Uh, what is this? Uh, 2914. Wow. Okay. They're both exactly the same. <laughs> 3X, right? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, sizing. I, I went. Uh, 65. Um, oh, I thought I did 455. I did 425. 
wonder why I went smaller. My normal there would be like 460, 470, something like that. Okay. But, okay. I went a little bit smaller. Maybe because I was on the button. Well, you got kings. You don't mind action, obviously. True. Okay. Well, I make it 425. I like yours, though. I, if I could do it over, I would throw another 40 chips in there. Um, okay. So small blind folds, big blind folds. Uh, back to the cutoff. Any calls? Okay. Okay, so we got 940 in the pot, and we have 3188 behind. All right. Flop is king of hearts, nine of hearts, five of clubs, and we've got two black kings. So flop the nuts. Um, we don't have a heart, and cut off checks. Um. I think I'm probably betting. If there was no flush draw out there, I think I'm checking. The flush draw out there, I mean, that really shouldn't change the action too much. Um, yeah, maybe it's a, against, if this was an aggressive opponent, certainly I'm, I'm betting here just because he might have some check range, check raise more and be willing to float and that kind of thing. Uh, I'm probably just going to bet, though, bet small. 370 or something. Okay, okay. Well, your, your reasoning for betting here, like if it was a rainbow board, you would not bet. Yeah, I mean, you still, this isn't really, not. I'm betting here not really just for protection. Um, ultimately, I think when you have a flush draw, you can get called by more bad, more worse hands, you know, back doors and that kind of stuff. So you can get paid um, more frequently to charge them when you don't have the board quite as murdered. Uh, yeah, you just—it's hard to flop the nuts, man. You only get so many of these hands. You got to get max value. Yeah, I know. I think that's what Alex would say here: is you're always just when you have nutty hands, you just don't get enough of them. You just have to play for stacks. Okay. To, okay. You just can't slow play. You just got to get your chips in there and hope hope the guy has a decent target, some value. Which you just hope he's on a strong, you know, decent range, or wants to make a play at it. So okay. contradicting myself there. I no, would... you know what, though? As you're saying this, I'm looking at this board, and it's a little more coordinated than I originally saw. Um, you know, like uh, Queen Jack has a gut shot. Ten Jack has a gut shot. Queen Ten has a gut shot. Um, there are flush draws. And then you've got uh, five, six, seven has a gut shot. Eight seven has a gut shot. There's, there's. Right. Well, we, we can get we can get a small bet called here. I, I in the moment I was thinking, okay, I just flopped the nuts. I've got this board killed. It's very unlikely that he has a king here. Let's try to let him catch up. But it, we can get called by kind of a lot. I don't think a nine is ever folding to three or four hundred here, right? Um, no, probably not. I mean, it's just, it's going to be hard for him to have a hand here because, you know, you block everything. And Jack, even like Jacks and Queens, if you get sticky with those hands, he probably four bets um, yeah. frequently. I don't know how often, depending on your bet sizing, they're going to call with the gutter balls here. Like if you reach 7K deep, um, then I'm definitely C betting to get some chips in there because yeah. I think he can, he can float more frequently. And, uh, so it sounds like you decided to check. I did, yeah. It, uh, but I'm kind of liking a small bet here. Nothing too big because really what's going to call you? 
I've been told the most annoying thing about me, Steve, hmm. for people that this, this on this podcast, and of course I have many annoying things, is that I used to say I don't know with such frequency. But uh, yeah, I, I just this is why I don't like st- strategy, I'm sure, because I, I'm aware that there's people a lot smarter than me who are, who do kind of know. But um, yeah, I, you just want to get more chips. So I think I'd be betting it quite yeah. frequently. Okay. I like that. I, uh, I checked behind. So with how, how many hands on this guy, by the way, Oh, this, the tournament's just starting and this is Bo- Bovada. 14. Hands. His V pip is 50 PFR 21, but we're only four handed too. So again, there's some just quickly on the flop decision. There's, there would be, if, you, if this was uh, if you had a lot of stats on the guy, this would like the immediately would look to fold. I would look to uh, the fold to see that stats of the villain here when I flop the nuts in this kind of spot. Ah, uh, yeah. Because if his fold to seabed is super high, um, then he's not very floaty. He's probably not calling with the gutter balls. Um, there, there I would be more likely to check just because he's so, I, I need, I just need him to get a, the only way I'm going to get any money out of him is if he has a pair, um, you know, hoping ace gets the turn or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's fine. So you check. What was the turn? I check. Okay, so we got king of spades, king of clubs. The flop was king of hearts, nine of hearts, five of clubs, and the turn is the king of diamonds. Wait a second. I'm confused. I thought you had pocket kings pre-flop. I do. Oh, okay. We, did, I we just, you just turned quads. Okay. Yeah. So the board now is king, king, nine, five, two hearts, and we have uh, the other two kings. Um, villain checks. I guess bet it. Although this is, I have, I think in spots like this, I've gotten paid by checking here and then have checked to on the river. Um, betting like three and a half X pot. Ooh. Make it look like, yeah. Make it look like like it's just, okay. We both have nothing. I'm just going to buy this buddy. And then hope you, and then hope the guy somehow has a pair. Okay. A pair somewhere. Um, yeah, that's worked for me before. Again, my tricks, quotation mark. Um, yeah, he probably just doesn't have much. So I don't know best way to get, to get paid here is I guess I would bet small here. Yeah. I don't think he has Queens. Like you said, he didn't aces or Queens. He didn't, uh, he didn't, um, he didn't forbid us. Jacks, he may for bet or not, but I feel like Jacks, he's Jacks or tens, he's probably betting the turn here. I mean, when the second king comes and I check the flop, he's got to feel more confident, right? Yeah. Uh, nine would a nine? Would he bet a nine here? Uh, uh, he might not even have a betting range here. Okay. I guess if he had like. If he had pocket tens, he'd probably be betting for protection. But then there's again, he, he's he's out of position. He's he's vulnerable to to a raise here. He has to fold to a raise if he, for some reason, has tens or a nine or whatever. Okay. Um, but he'll definitely call with those hands if we bet now, right? He's never folding jacks, tens, or nines there, right? I think he's calling. He might be calling with any pair here, depending on your bet sizing. That's what I was thinking. Because I three bet him, and then it goes check, 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 check. I mean, my hand kind of looks like ace, jack, or ace, queen, right? 
if you if you check it back on the chart as well. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have said the second check. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad it's not a bad idea. I mean, it's just so um, it's just hard to for the guy to have anything here. You're basically I was just going to say you're probably just hoping to get one bet out of him. So yeah. the question is, where is he more likely to call on the turn of the river? And um, of course, he might try to steal on the river too, but he's he's never check calling here to bluff the river. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think checking's fine, Steve. Okay. I end up betting. Um, into 940, we got uh, 3,100 behind. Uh, I bet 379. So I bet a uh, little bit more in the third pot. Um, and what, I, I think I was basically trying to get called by any pair. Like I thought at this point he might even call with like pocket sevens or something. Maybe that's a little ambitious. But um, anyways, I bet three seventy nine, and he raises to nine seventeen. So now we got twenty eight hundred behind. He made it nine seventeen. Uh, what are you thinking here? Um. Yeah, I guess just flat. Is is there a flush draw on the board now? Yeah, there's two hearts out there. We don't have a heart. So it's king of diamonds, king of hearts, nine of hearts, five of clubs. Then we got king of spades, king of clubs for quads. Yeah, uh, I guess just flat. See, that's kind of what I was – I think he has like um, – I think he's got like – a flush draw, nothing, or a nine, and he thinks he's got the best hand or is trying to, like, figure out where he's at. Or maybe he's got some combo draw, like queen jack of hearts, but why wouldn't he have bet that on the flopper turn? That seems kind of weird. Um, I would um, – again, how we do here would depend upon his bluffing frequency frequency which we really don't have all the information yeah. about that um if i thought he was bluffing here a lot then obviously you just want to flat and um give him another chance to bluff on the river yeah but even if he has a value or if you think this guy is kind of a nit and like oh my god he just hit but I, well, the other thing, the stack, stack to pot ratio, you can still get the money in on the river without raising here pretty easily. Yeah. So I think that probably cinches it for just calling, I think. Yeah, if we call here, there's going to be 27 in the middle, and we'll have 22 behind. Yeah, okay. Definitely just calling here. Okay. All right, we call. Um. River is the eight of clubs. So with pocket kings, the final board is king of hearts, king of diamonds, nine of hearts, eight of clubs, five of clubs. So the flush draw misses. Um, I guess the only straight that would have made it would be six, seven, but that's unlikely. Um, yeah. At this point, we're just hoping this, uh, this villain decides to uh, shove it in with, or get you know other than obviously other than that they could possibly have a full house and just got the cooler from hell, but you're just uh, hoping the villain shoves it in here. 
Yeah. Okay. And uh, the villain could put – at this point, your range could be um, – well, when you call a check raise – Looks pretty it's, damn strong. That's either you got a flush or you got a big pair that's probably not a king. Uh, a flush draw. Yeah. Yeah. So if the villain shoves river, they're um, just hoping in the flush. If the flush misses, they shove river. They're just hoping you have more flush draw combinations than you have big pair combinations. Yeah. Or that they can they can get you to fold a big pair. Yeah, they're ready. Which, which at that price, if they're if they're at all sensible, they know they can't get you to fold a big pair that often because of the amount of chips in the, the pot. Yeah. But um, so what happened on the river? What did the villain do? He checks. Okay. So now it's on us. We got 27 in the middle. We got 22 behind. I mean, when he checks here, that really makes his turn bet or his turn raise look like a bluff, right? Um, yeah. I guess. Or like a nine. Or I don't Would he really raise a nine there? Wouldn't he just call? Um. Yeah. If he had a boat, like if he flopped a set of fives and for whatever reason checked, checked, checked it twice and then raised, like wouldn't he be betting this river with a boat? Yes. He can't have a king because we've got them all. <laughs> we just have all the kings. No, the, uh, this person has a, has a weak hand here. I think right? we can both agree okay. on that. Yeah, we both agree. Yeah, well, whether he has absolutely nothing or not, um, or if he's bluffing. So either way, in either of those spots, I'm probably, maybe for some people say, well, you got to shove for balance here. And also, yeah, it, I mean, if you're, the villain's going to, if you shove river, the villain's certainly going to view it as very polarized and they might hero call you with one pair. I don't know. Yeah. If they rivered an eight somehow, then maybe they had ace eight of hearts and they rivered an eight and they're like, he doesn't have anything. Like, you uh, might get that, especially since he's got more chips. Like, if we shove here, he's still got, like, 4K in his stack, which is very workable at 3060. You could um, – yeah, a lot of these one-pair hands, were like we're saying, that, we well, we could put them on this. It's just uh, – it, those just aren't hands you would check-raise very frequently. Yeah, true. Check-raise happens mostly with air. Um, or a monster hand, which we he just can't have here. Yeah, I don't think so. I think or, or like I, I think he usually weak here. I think usually he's got a busted draw or nothing here. So I think all we can do is bet really small, and hope to get um, called. Obviously, well, I mean the the number one scenario we bet small and then just hope maybe some for some reason he wigs out and shoves. Okay. okay. I, I thought exactly the same thing. We have to bet small here, and hopefully it looks like we're just trying to buy it with a busted flush draw or something, and he either reads it as weakness and just ships it, or we get the curiosity call from, like, pocket sixes or something. Does that sound valid? Yeah. Um I just, it's hard to see. I mean, I, I just, if you get paid here, if you bet super small and he calls with a nine, you're going to be kind of ticked off because I think if you shove there, he probably has to call as the hands played, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, he, doesn't, well he doesn't have to. Um, 
I, I don't know, Steve, what of your, uh, I guess you're just, of all the, we, we, if we range him here, we, we think he's just got, it has a misdraw most of the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or nothing. Or nothing. Or nothing. Or, yeah, I guess it could be a nine played. For, I, again, I, I bet small. I bet even smaller than the turn. It, the pot is now 2,700? Uh, yeah, 27 in the middle. We have 22 behind. Um, I'm going to bet like 580. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, – yeah, it's just they, they probably hit going to call with a spike call you with any pair. Okay. All right. I went um, 356 into 2,700. So okay. I like 15%, it. 15%, something like that. Maybe I could have got a little more. I'm, I was trying to get either a spaz or a curious call. <laughs> you know, the, the oh. like, it's so small that like, I just got to know what this guy has here. I don't, it might, I know I'm losing, but I'm going to call anyways just to see. And uh, he did call, and he had uh, ace-queen um, with the ace of hearts. So we win, obviously, with quads. But um, I guess he was going to ref the on – the, he was going to shove heart on the river, rep it maybe with the blocker or something. Uh, yeah. I bet if, we, if that was the eight of hearts instead of the uh, eight of clubs, I bet we get his whole stack. I mean <laughs> – Makes me wonder, did I miss value on the flop, though? I like, your fl- I like your bet on the flop. Just something small, even though we flop the nuts. There's a lot of combo draws in there, and with, when the guy's sitting around with the ace of hearts and the queen of diamonds, that flop has potential, you know? You probably, as played, though, you probably got more of it because uh, if you bet flop, he, might have, he probably maybe calls with the uh, – probably maybe. Uh, he, he possibly calls with the backdoor flush – and the yeah, back door Broadway and the over. But he doesn't do that turn. But he, bluff. But he doesn't check raise if you bet the turn. Yeah. If he, if yeah. he, if he calls the flop, he's probably just check folding the turn. Yeah. Where, because you check back here, you did give him a chance to bluff the turn. Yeah. I did set myself up though. If we get a Jack queen or 10 on the turn, then the hand is, I mean, we're not getting away from it, but the hand, I could have just given it to him. Yeah. Yeah. But, Sounds like you played it okay, Steve. I, I don't think there's any way – there's no way to stack them there. Um, he tank called when I, when I only bet three, 350. Yeah, he's got a, it's annoying. Uh, he, he, was, he wasn't really tanking. He knew he was going to call. He was just cursing at the computer screen. Yeah, he's like, I got to know what this guy has. But see, little know. spots like that, though, add up. I mean, like, that's six big blinds right there. You know, so at this level, you get to see, like, four rotations that you didn't before. Just by making that one little value bet on the river, even though it's so small, you know, it, um, yeah. Anyways, that was my hand. I wanted to pick your brain on it. I thought it was kind of cute that it was quads. Yeah, this is a good one. Good deal. Well, um, ready to say goodbye, Stevie. Yes, sir. I am. It was cool talking to you. Thank you for, uh, thank you for doing this. And thank you for tuning in. Here is your weekly motivational speech. Don't even use the word commit. Don't even think about the word discipline. Just do the thing every single day, whether you feel like it or not. Your only commitment is to the activity, not to the grand scheme, not to the big picture, not to the implications of what it is that you're doing. 
it's to do the thing. Habits are the building blocks of our lives. Not the goals or the grand schemes or the vision or the big idea. It's what you can do every single day that matters more than anything. Develop good habits that will carry you through to having a very successful life. There are two types of people in the world. There are those who fight the uncomfortable and those who can face the uncomfortable. What makes you comfortable can ruin you. And what makes you uncomfortable is the only way to grow. Nothing great comes from a position of comfort. Safety, comfort zones are dead zones. You either continue to push yourself. Yes, we tired. Yes, we're hungry. Yes, the mind is saying give up. Yes, it's saying quit. But we cannot quit because we realize we have not reached the goal yet. This is not what I dreamed about. This is not what I said I was going to do. This is not what it looks like. I got to squeeze. And then once we get past that place, we become comfortable with being uncomfortable. We no longer thrive to be in the comfort zone. Nothing worthwhile is easy to get. And if you could get used to being uncomfortable, your limits are non-existent. I want to win so bad.